ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the One Health Podcast. Uh, we are here. It's another great week. I'm your host, Tori Schmelzer. I am a fitness enthusiast slash fitness entrepreneur. My goal is to share the knowledge I gather through meeting industry experts with as many people as I can. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, each week we are going to bring on different experts in areas of health. So that could be physical health, mental health, spiritual health, professional health, nutritional health, all that good stuff. Um, and we don't claim to be experts in any of these subjects, but we know the people who are and we interview them for the greater good. We need to say a special thank you to everyone who's shown us love and support on our social media, on iTunes. Thank you guys so much for leaving reviews, subscribing. That really does help us in the rankings there. So thank you again so much for that. Shout out to our sponsors, EcoGym and Motivate in You. Make sure you guys go to shop.teammotivateinyou.com. They're giving away a free macro plan, which is a free food plan. Uh, huge value there. Make sure you guys take advantage of that before the end of this month. Also, EcoGym is doing a deal where listeners get five weeks of membership for five dollars. They're celebrating their five-year anniversary at their Glenview location. Uh, those guys have. 24-7 access, hyperbaric therapy, red light therapy, group fitness classes, meals, supplements that ship to your doorstep, smoothies, you name it, they have it going on. So make sure you check that out. Um, today on the show, we have a truly amazing individual. We have the one and only Jesse McLennan. Jesse, thank you for being on the show. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Jesse is a fully certified nutritional therapist based out of Vancouver. Her passion for vibrant health and expertise in holistic nutrition centered on mind-body methodology is sought after by large organizations such as the Deepak Chopra Center for Addiction and Wellness. Uh, did I miss anything there? Did I forget anything? Uh, that's... Yeah, that's a, that's a brief summary. <laughs> I also work for um, a couple of sports organizations here, uh, focusing on sports nutrition and performance nutrition. And uh, yeah, I also work in private practice as well. So working one-on-one -on -one with clients, helping them to achieve their goals or improve their health and fitness. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so Jesse, talk to us um bring us up to speed here a little bit how did you get into this whole nutrition thing how did this passion kind of start for you do we have a long time tour or a short time you have we have as long as you want fire away um well i think i think my love for nutrition started i didn't actually know it was it was happening when it was happening i grew up in a very small town in outback australia where food was a really integral part of of the community of our home life everybody that i knew um everybody grew their own food and made their own food and everyone had chickens and fruit trees and everything was just done from scratch all the time and i didn't think there was anything special about this because it's what everybody did where i grew up and so that love for cooking or maybe not even love for it. It was just there. It was always something that we always did. And uh, moving kind of into my into my 20s, that just took a back seat for a while. And I really had a love of teaching. I did a lot of sport in high school and in my early 20s. 
and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do when I left school. So I decided I was going to become a scuba dive instructor. And I went and worked on boats for a couple of years teaching diving uh, because I just loved, I loved teaching and I love sharing skills and helping other people maybe find a new passion or do something differently or challenge themselves. And I always kind of wanted to be a teacher. I wasn't exactly sure what sort of a teacher. Scuba diving at the time was fantastic. Um, it took me, I traveled around the world diving into different countries like Thailand and Indonesia. And then I ended up in Canada um, on a total 180 and decided to be a ski instructor. So I started teaching skiing. Hold on. So, and... so you <laughs> went from one of the most warmest, beautiful places on earth and moved up to the great white north. I know. It makes no sense. Uh, and that's one of the great things about traveling. I met some of the most wonderful people on my travels. And uh, a couple of Canadians happened to be those people and told me all about this wonderful uh, ski resort and I should come and teach skiing. And, you know, being young and free, that's what I did. And uh, took me up here. And from here, I then ended up down in Los Angeles. And I was working with a family down in LA and they were really health and fitness orientated. At the time, um, one of the members in the family was training for, oh, I can't remember what he was training for. He was training for some um, sporting event. And so we'd go down to UCLA in the mornings and the whole family would be down there and be training on the track. And they were very interested in nutrition and um, cooking and they used to see a nutritionist and all of a sudden I saw there was this whole area that I was really passionate about and really interested in and there was a whole industry that I actually didn't know existed and that's really where I discovered that okay I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to bring my two passions together and I'm going to study nutrition. So I ended up going through my schooling and uh, becoming a nutritional therapist so that I could use those two passions of teaching and doing something that I love as far as cooking and the food side of it and it combined perfectly and I get to share it with people and hopefully get them to be passionate about it or help them integrate it into maybe uh, what they're currently doing, change things up a little bit. Nice. Okay. And that, that... Was, that was kind of a long story. <laughs> That's <laughs> that my whole family. I I love it. No, no, no. That's good. I I always like to gain some perspective on, you know, why people are doing what they're doing, why, you know, why you became an expert in this stuff. So no, that was good. I had no idea about the scuba diving you and I have met before. That's a big passion of mine too. So that's really cool that you did that. Awesome. Uh, So I guess tell us a little bit about your approach to nutrition. Is there, are there some overarching principles that you kind of use when you first consult with somebody? How does that kind of go? Mm-hmm. My, my view of nutrition, maybe my philosophy of nutrition, it's really grown and expanded over the years. So I've been in the industry now for a little over, nearly 10 years now. And in that time, um, you know, you go through school and you learn the fundamentals, the basics, the your protein and your carbs and how to break it down and where those foods come from. And 
those are really important. But my my understanding of nutrition really started develop to develop and to grow when I started working with um, the Chopra Center. So the Chopra Center it's a Ayurvedic based wellness center, and what Ayurveda is for people that don't know of Ayurveda or the Ayurvedic principle, it's it dates back about a couple of thousand years. It's a medical system that originated in India. And the words itself, Ira means life, and Veda means science or knowledge. So it literally translates to the science or the knowledge of life. And there's two kind of guiding principles in Ayurveda. And the first one is that the mind and the body are connected. That what affects one affects the other. And the other guiding principle is nothing has more power over health than the mind. So what we think, how we perceive the world really has a big impact on our health and our body and how we react to things. And so through my practice, I've really integrated those principles into how I practice nutrition because there's much more to the picture when it comes to say nutrition than just counting calories and breaking foods down into fats, carbohydrates and proteins. And while those things are really important and I cover those things and educate clients on those things, there's also other pieces to the puzzle that are just as important. Things like how you're reacting to stress and how you can deal with stress, um, how well you're sleeping, uh, the quality of the food you're eating, um, your digestion, how your mind affects your digestion. And that's a, that one's a big one because you could be eating the best food possible, but if you're not digesting it and absorbing it well, you're not getting the benefits from that food. So I also help clients to, to start becoming mindful of that, of, of how they're actually feeling before they're eating or what's the environment that they're eating in? Is it a stressful environment? Maybe there's something we could change up so that instead of eating lunch at your desk, when you're stressed and you're busy and you're checking emails, maybe you check out for 10 minutes. And even if it's going and sitting in your car and listening to a podcast or listening to some music while you eat your lunch, that's one little thing that you can do that helps that stress response. And it's not necessarily related to nutrition, but it has everything to do with nutrition because it's how your body reacts um, to the food you're eating. So that's that's kind of my philosophy on nutrition is it's some key little pieces that all work together. And I help people to find the balance in which one of those things to focus on. Um, sometimes we put all our focus on one thing and we let the other ones fall to the side. Sleep is a big one. I know myself, I'm guilty of this sometimes. Sleep is one of those things that we tend to, we can push it back. We can always fit more in our day yep. and we can, you know, push bedtime back to 12 o'clock or so. And if that's out of balance, it affects everything the next day. And you've probably noticed this yourself when you're tired, it's more challenging to do things. It might be more challenging to go to the gym. 
Um, studies show that your willpower is incredibly affected when you don't get enough sleep. So if you're trying really hard to stick to certain goals that you've set for yourself, but you haven't got enough sleep throughout the week, it's really hard to actually fulfill those kind of commitments you've made to yourself. So when I work with somebody, I try and find out just a really good overview of somebody's life. Like what are the things that um, are affecting all those different little areas and how can we bring them into balance a little bit more? And of course, food is, is an integral part of all of that. And um, they all just complement each other and need just as much focus as, as the other kind of parts. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think enough people realize that if you have increased stress levels, your cortisol levels shoot up in your body, you're going to start storing fat. And that was one of the things you just touched on right there. So if I'm really stressed and I can't calm that down, it doesn't matter what healthy foods I'm eating. My body's still going to try to hold on to all this stuff because it's a, it's a stress response. And like you said, with the mind being connected to the body, the general public I don't think really understands how connected the two are and how powerful your brain is. You can actually, and I, I think I've referenced um, a Deepak study um, that I heard on a different podcast where they were uh, testing hundreds of people where they were actually able to start changing their biology, their physical biology um, by believing that this product worked for them. So it's, it's really is so powerful when you can harness that first. So that's an amazing approach that you take that I haven't heard from other nutritionists that I talk to. It's almost like you need to get their mind right first before we can start going down this road of, okay, these are the foods you should eat. Absolutely. And, and that mind, the power of the mind is so amazing. I, I worked with a woman, um, she was, post baby so she was nine months um her baby was nine months old and she wanted to get back to her pre-pregnancy weight and she was doing everything right that maybe she thought she was meant to be doing right like she was hitting the gym five days a week she was being really strict and restrictive with the food that she was eating and it was really stressing her out she was really stressed because the weight wasn't coming off she was working herself to the bone basically and seeing no results and I just picked up on that stress piece and I asked her about stress and yeah she was under a lot of stress and I said you know what what would happen if you just didn't care about the diet forget about it go eat some cake go enjoy it what's your favorite thing that you love to eat just like chocolate I said you know what just be okay with it go somewhere nice Go enjoy yourself, get some chocolate, don't feel guilty about it, spend your time and just enjoy that chocolate. We need to take some of the stress around the food away. And uh, she really took that on and, and practiced that. And if anything, she increased what she was eating. She added some what I would call treats in there, like some chocolate and just let herself relax a little bit. And in about the span of four weeks, she lost about five pounds. And she hadn't been able to lose weight previously wow. before that. 
And really the only thing that changed, if anything, she was eating more food but not stressing about it. And, and I just, I always use that example with certain people that are feeling guilty about the food they're eating or being so restrictive that it's really stressful. And I'm a big believer that food should be enjoyable. It should be something that we look forward to during the day. Food is such an emotional thing and it brings people together. Like if you think of holidays or we just had Canadian Thanksgiving on the weekend here and uh, it, food is something that's always part of celebration and you know love and happiness. Sometimes, sometimes not. Thanksgiving dinners, family can be a little stressful. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in general, it, it definitely is. Food is a thing. That I'm a big believer of that in how to help people find the food that they like to eat that fits in with their lifestyle. And it can be something that's just enjoyed and not feared, not, you don't worry about it during the day. I love that. We have enough stress in our lives. You know what I mean? The last thing we need is for another thing to be added in there to freak out about really. Yeah. Um, so a big thing right now and a big thing for as long as, you know, nutrition has been a thing is these, um, I guess you could call them fad diets possibly. And you and I have talked at length about one of those because I was interested, um, that one being keto, the keto diet. Um, I wanted to get your opinion from the nutritionist perspective of these diets. Are they a, are they sustainable? B, uh, are they reasonable? Are they actually healthy for our body? I know those are kind of three general topics there, but I guess just give us, uh, give us your opinion on, on, you know, some of the things like keto, paleo, Atkins, all that good stuff. Mm. I, I really like those three words, sustainable, reasonable, healthy, because I think any diet doesn't matter if it's a, a vegan diet or a paleo style diet, if it's sustainable and reasonable and healthy, then that can be a good balanced diet. And I think those are, those are just three really good words that you picked, Tori, because a lot of fad diets aren't sustainable. Yes, that is so true. <laughs> or necessarily healthy. And sustainability is key. And I, I think that's that's the key word because we can all do something for twenty one days or for thirty days. And like there's a lot of challenges out there, like the twenty one day challenge or a one month challenge. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think sometimes it's great to challenge ourselves and see what we can actually commit to and what we have follow through with and it gives us a real sense of achievement when we can stick to something like that. But in the long run, sustainability, that's where most of those diets just crash and burn for most people because they can't sustain it. It's one thing following a keto plan for 21 days and being really strict and restrictive about the foods you eat. But stretching that out over a couple of months, a couple of years, I find that's where most people have just find it really challenging because it's so different from how they've eaten for the last 40 years of their life or the last 25 years of their life that it really comes down to creating habits and it's the habits that we do 
unconsciously or maybe there's a tiny bit of thought in it, like brushing your teeth in the morning. I'm sure all of us do that every single morning. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Every morning since we were kids. And that can be one of the biggest challenges is those sort of diets are so different from how we would typically eat. And they can be quite restrictive. So unless you've developed the skills um, to stick with it, then you do end up kind of crashing and burning after a little while. And not everybody. There's some people that, and I would say a, a small amount of people, that can do great on a keto diet. But it's a really, really small amount of people, um, I would say in general, like if we're thinking about the general population. Um, and I think any diet that any diet that restricts whole food groups and kind of promotes that being good for everybody. I think that's one really good way of of being able to see if a diet is a bit of a fad because we're all so different. What works for my body is totally different or at least a little bit different from say what works for your body, Tori. And I know for myself, I do a lot better. I personally do a lot better when I do have some carbs in my diet. Um, And so as far as, as far as it being sustainable, reasonable, healthy, <laughs> um, no, it's always a hard question. I get asked about this so often about what my take on certain diets are. And it's not that I think they're necessarily bad, but any sort of diet, like I said, that restricts whole food groups and often you have to supplement to make sure you're getting the right amount of nutrients not a lot of balance in there for for most people, for most people. Um, And as far as healthy goes, I think that's a really important um, point that there's been a lot of research going on about this lately as far as, I'm going to bring in another term, but yo-yo dieting, the lose 20 pounds, put 20 pounds back on, lose 15 pounds, put 20 pounds back on, lose 10 pounds, put 15 pounds back on. And you get this kind of losing weight, but then putting it on and a little bit more. And that can really mess with our metabolism and mess with our ability to live a healthy life in the long run. You're much better off. If, if weight loss is one of the goals that you're working on, you're much better off to do that slowly and sustainably over a couple of months or over a couple of years so that your body basically has time just to catch up. Um, and it's not stressful on your body. Losing 20 pounds, it might feel great. If you lose 20 pounds in a month, sure, you might feel great, but that's a really big shock. It's a really big stress to your body. And your body kind of fights back on that a little bit. It can often do that. And that's why, you oh, not always, but you do often hear of people that lose an incredible amount of weight really fast. Studies show that 12 months later, most people have gained that weight back. Whereas slow, steady weight loss, and I always try and, when I'm working with people, I always say, you know, this is the boring side of nutrition. (laughs) This is not gonna be over the headlines of any nutrition magazine that 
Jerry Smith lost 40 pounds in 24 months. Yeah. Never going to make the headlines. <laughs> but they're the headlines that I think are great. And those are the ones that in five years' time, Joe is going to be still 40 pounds less because it happened gradually. He could sustain it. Joe is just an imaginary person. But, um, you know, it's something that can fit into the lifestyle. Habits are formed along the way. So in five years' time, a balanced breakfast is still something that happens every single morning. It's not, it's not a hard thing. It's just now become part of habit. And uh, that's, that's a big thing that I work with um, with my one-on-one clients is what, what's the one little thing you can do today and you can start today that you're just going to practice every single day. And when you've got that down, let's add in one more little habit. And again, it might sound boring because it's not going to make huge changes all at once. But who cares? In yeah. the long run, like in 10 years' time, I still want to be doing what I'm doing right now. I don't really care about four weeks' time from now, if that makes that makes no. sense. No, it's, it's a really good point. And we had – it's so funny that you said that each person's body is different and each person's body is going to react differently to these diets too. We had a girl uh, who was a training client, one of the trainers of ours, and she came to them and she said, I don't understand this. I have been intermittent fasting and I hit this plateau and all of a sudden it's not working anymore. And he posed the question – well, maybe intermittent fasting isn't for you. Maybe you should try something different. And she said, well, my friends have done it and it's worked really well for them. And he went back and forth with her and he said, listen, everybody's body is different. It reacts differently. Let's try something else. And lo and behold, four weeks later, after she stopped doing the intermittent fasting, she crushed through that plateau. So I'm glad you said that. That was a really good point. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a great I think that can kind of be a great thing to remember too. Like when you're trying to work out, well, what does work for my body? I don't know what works for my body. I've read this and everyone's doing this. And how do you actually know? Treat what you're doing like a bit of an experiment. And it's great to track progress. Track track a number of different things. Like measure how you're feeling, how your energy levels, how your hunger levels, how you're recovering from a gym session. And let's just use intermittent fasting, for example. If you're doing that and in four months' time, you haven't made any changes. You're not feeling better. You're not recovering better. You know what? Maybe it's time to swap it up. And keeping track of those sort of things just helps you to create a plan that's right for you. And little things like um, I've got a couple of my clients doing that at the moment. And that we were tracking recovery after workout sessions and they were feeling quite the following day and they were finding their workouts quite hard. And because we'd been tracking food and their macronutrient components of their food, it's like, you know what, let's try some more carbs. Let's add an additional serving of carbohydrates to your post-workout meal and let's see how you're doing in the next day. We're gonna try it for two weeks because that should be enough time to see some changes. And that was one of the things that worked. They noticed that adding more carbs after a workout actually helped with recovery so they could work out better the next day. And those little things that you keep track of really just helps you to create a program that's right for you and that's that's right for your body. I love it. 
I love it. So you just touched on it right there. Nutrient timing is a huge thing. And we try to give some advice. We're not as knowledgeable as you are, obviously. But when we are talking with our clients, we talk about the key times to eat certain things. So I guess talk to us a little bit. When is a good time to... Okay, let's start here with protein. When is a good time? Post-workout, pre-workout. Um, yeah, cover that for us, I guess, first. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to step back. That was a general mm-hmm. statement, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, so like we have protein, and then we have when is like a good time to get some sugar in. Or yeah. at the end of your workout, you touched on carbohydrates. Like maybe walk us through that a little bit. In regard to um, recovery from activity, from a gym session or from a bike ride or from um, any sort of training, protein, it's always been, you know, like a big buzzword in kind of the fitness nutrition industry. And yeah, it is important to make sure you're getting enough protein during the day, but also after um, a workout or strenuous activity to help rebuild and help with recovery of muscles. I always say if you're working out, for many people, they go to work and then they're hitting the gym at say five, six o'clock. Once you've finished your workout, if you're about to have dinner within an hour of finishing your gym session, then you just wanna make sure there's a good source of protein at dinner. So I'm just gonna use a chicken breast for example. If you're gonna have some chicken with dinner, and it's a four to six ounce chicken breast, that's, you're getting the protein you need for recovery after you work out. You don't necessarily need anything special straight after. However, if your workout's at four and dinner isn't gonna be until six, seven o'clock, you do wanna get a bit of additional protein in because you've got about a 90 minute window where your body's actually going to incorporate protein about twice as fast as any other time during the day. So you can really make the most of that little window of getting something like a protein shake or some Greek yogurt or some sort of protein dense food, a a protein bar for example, to get that protein, to get it starting to incorporate into rebuilding and re-strengthening your muscles. But protein doesn't just work alone. So For protein to get incorporated into your muscles, you want some carbohydrates present. So I always say to people, if you're gonna make, say, a protein shake, and you were just doing, say, one scoop of protein in there, you've got your protein, which is great, but we want some carbs in there too. And so if you were making this in a blender, that could be as simple as putting a banana in there, blending that up together, so you've got some good carbs. If that isn't an option, like making a smoothie like that, in your gym bag, chucking in a protein bar and a banana, something that's quick and easy and portable, that's a good combo to have. So you're really getting the most out of the protein, plus the carbohydrates that you're getting is helping to refill your fuel stores. So that basically the next day when you do work out, you're starting with a full fuel tank, so to speak, when it comes to your, your energy and your muscles. Okay. So, yeah, I hear people say, uh, well, uh, I am healthy. I eat fruit and I ask them, when do you eat it? And they say, oh, well, before I go to bed or, you know what I mean? Or, oh, hey, I had some whole wheat pasta before uh, for dinner. 
And what time was dinner? Oh, eight o'clock. Uh, I guess, yeah, talk to people about timing when it comes to like fruits and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, fruit is definitely a great thing to be adding in to your day, throughout the day. I like to focus on fruits or more carbohydrate-dense foods. Oatmeal is a great example. Having some of those things earlier on in the day or using them as snacks, those are some of the best places to have your fruit. Uh, having fruit right before a workout is a great source of carbohydrates. It's going to give you a bit more energy throughout your workout. Basically, all carbohydrates, doesn't matter if it's whole grain pasta or a piece of fruit um, or a bowl of broccoli, it's got some carbs in it, eventually it all gets broken down into sugar. And this can be fine because every single cell in our body, all 50 to 75 trillion of them, uses that sugar energy but for most of us and again myself included after eight o'clock doing a lot of activity that needs a lot of energy I might be having a little bit of couch time maybe I'm still at my desk doing a bit of work I'm not burning a lot of energy so I don't really need energy dense foods like carbohydrates later on in the day simply because it's not where I use a lot of my energy in the morning and uh, in the middle of the day, I try and get away from my desk and go for a walk. I'm burning more energy during those times. So that's when I concentrate on having more carbohydrate-dense food. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, there, there's this, like I said, there's always a common misconception with, uh, okay, that food is healthy and I eat it. Well, you got to understand the timing of everything. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. That was good. Um, talk to us about the kind of role that diet plays with illness or chronic illness or some of the diseases and stuff like that. That is a huge hot button issue. Um, I know in America right now, as well as around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, I think many of us know, especially in the health and fitness industry that, Food, food plays such a big role, if not the biggest role, in in chronic disease, um, in preventative health. I mean, we can go two ways. Food can be something that heals us and keeps us healthy, and food can be something that brings our health down that adds to chronic disease. And when I was doing my practicum for um, when I was studying, I did two set two different um, placements. One was in a hospital setting and one was in a naturopathic clinic. And in the hospital setting, 90% of the people that I was meeting were there for nutrition-related diseases. It was either diabetes or kidney failure or cirrhosis of the liver and complications to do with obesity. And majority of those cases, it was, it's, food related. It's what's been going on for the last 40 years, 60 years that's led to this condition. And being in the hospital setting for myself, that was one of the big um, drivers for me that I decided I didn't want to work in a hospital setting. I wanted to work with people before they got there. I wanted to share as much knowledge, as many practical skills so that people could 
I so that I could help people to integrate the things related to food that prevents them from getting there. And I think I think sometimes it can seem like such a big problem. And if somebody has or is maybe on the on the cusp of developing a chronic disease, sometimes it can just seem so overwhelming that well, where do I even start? I, I don't even know what to do, it all seems too hard. Food can make such a big difference. And I know I might sound a bit contradictory now because I was saying before, like slow and steady really is the way to go when it comes to weight loss. But when it comes to health, you can change your health around in a relatively short amount of time. And you can see big differences in things like blood pressure or blood sugar levels or um, those sort of indicators of health by changing up your diet and um, yeah, that there are. I won't say it's simple, but there are some some simple things to keep in mind. Like if you are if you are somebody who's suffering with chronic disease at the moment, or maybe your health isn't where you want it to be. One of the biggest things is color. Look at your diet and how colorful is it? Where could you add some more color into your diet? And maybe it's fruit as part of your snack, like we just mentioned. Maybe it's chucking blueberries. Um, on your oatmeal in the morning, where's the color at dinner time? That one little piece, that can start making a big, big difference to some of those health indicators if you start integrating it over a couple of weeks. Excellent. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And and that's always a good place to start is with the nutrition. Uh, when you're going on this, a lot of people call it fitness journey. Nutrition is always the good place to start. If you Literally, if you just make small changes to your diet to start, you'd be amazed at the progress you'll see uh, within the first, I would say, 14 days. If you're really tracking yourself, I mean, that's really all it takes to start seeing some of these changes in your body and some of these blood sugar levels dropping. Um, you know, diabetes is a huge thing, especially type 2 um, now we talk about insulin levels and uh, foods that have a low glycemic index and things like that. I mean, very, very quickly, you can start steering the ship back in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've seen that and um, I see that all the time. And I think um, what you just said about you, you notice certain differences. And I think this is a really important thing for both of us in the health and fitness industry is helping people, people get so focused on the weight. But my weight's not changing. The numbers haven't changed. It's like, yeah, but how are you feeling? How's your energy levels? Oh, my energy's great. How are your cravings? Oh, I don't have them anymore. Great. All the other stuff, all the stuff you want to happen, it'll happen. You're just not noticing it if you're only focusing on one thing. And for, like, as far as, changing your health around one thing that can make a huge difference and this is just a, a little tip of something that you can literally start doing after you listen to this podcast in your main meals breakfast lunch and dinner focus on adding a good source of protein a good source of protein and some color at breakfast lunch and dinner is really going to start making a big difference um, protein is really important for helping to stabilize blood sugar levels 
So when you have stable blood sugar levels, you don't have those fluctuations in hunger as much. You don't experience cravings as much. So when you're not experiencing cravings, life's much easier when you don't feel like you need that sugary treat or you need that quick pick-me-up because your energy is low. And protein makes a really big difference in that, um, just in those energy levels. And I've had lots of people that I work with that it's the one thing we change. And yeah, in a matter of two weeks, they're feeling so much better. They can put in much more effort at the gym in their training sessions, they're recovering better. Um, and yeah, it is, it is a little thing. Like it might be just as simple as at breakfast time, perhaps you're used to just having oatmeal and that's it. Not a lot of protein going on there, not a lot of color. So a really easy add-in, you could just have a little tub of Greek yogurt on the side. If you've got some frozen blueberries in your freezer, tip some out into a Tupperware container every couple of days, put it in your fridge, super simple. Put some on your oatmeal in the morning. So now you really haven't had to go out of your way to do that much different. You're just adding in and you're really getting yourself set up for success right from the first meal of the day. That's excellent. We talked about a couple episodes ago, we talked about two. Uh, I'm glad you touched on everybody's focus on the weight, my weight. I get on the scale every morning, my weight. People don't understand that when you are extremely overweight, not only is there fat underneath your skin, there's fat around your organs too. And they're having to work harder and harder and harder too. So that's another thing I tell people. Not only are you going to start seeing changes on how you look in the mirror, but inside I think is even way more important than what, you know, the beauty thing that we, we see in the mirror. So that was a really good point. I'm glad you touched on that too. Yeah. Um, we touched on supplementation. You mentioned that. So the supplement industry is a multi-billion dollar industry and everybody has the magic pill, the quick fix. This does this, this does that. I wanted to get your opinion on some supplements that maybe are okay to be taking and some that are completely overkill. Mm -hmm. So I think um, a couple of supplements that, depending on where you live, um, can be can be one as well. And again, just just starting this off with, of course, everybody's going to be different, and what we need is going to be different from person to person. But for most people, I think a good uh, fish oil supplement or a good omega three supplement is a great one to have. Um, as part of your routine. For many of us, getting fatty fish into our diet like salmon or mackerel or sardines doesn't necessarily happen on a level that we need it to happen to get the benefits of omega-3 fats. So I always think that's a good one to have. Some of your individual supplements such as, um, just going to say, vitamin D or some of your B vitamins, especially vitamin D, depending on where you live in the world. Um, for us, you know, a bit far north, <laughs> uh, especially coming into the wintertime, vitamin D can be a great one, a great kind of um, supplement to be having, especially through the winter months when we don't tend to see a lot of um, sunshine, which is normally where we would get our vitamin D from. Um, another, another couple that I think can be really helpful for people, depending on their situation, um, probiotics 
can be a really helpful one for digestive health. Um, and then on top of that, some of the supplements um, that I would say are maybe a little bit of overkill. Anything that's promising really rapid results in a really fast time. I think are the ones kind of like on the um, like when we were talking about the fad diets. If anything's making big promises right off the bat, then chances are that's probably you don't really you're not going to get the results from a pill that you're going to get from activity, diet, focusing on your diet, focusing on reducing stress and getting sleep. Those are the magic pills right there. Like I would say you get more benefit from adding an extra hour or two of sleep to your day than what any pill could kind of promise. Um, yes. That's good. No, because especially people at, that want to go into the gym, one of the first things they'll do, I'm going to start an exercise routine. So I need to take all these vitamins, these multivitamins, these branched chain amino acids, these creatine supplements, this pre-workout supplement. Um, I've learned over the years that really um, you can go around those things, save yourself the money. If your diet is right, if your hydration levels are where they need to be, a lot of that can be solved by, you know, grabbing a handful of berries before your workout or maybe a little bit of protein, like you said, uh, pre-workout, maybe even a half a cup of black coffee or something like that, just for that little bit of caffeine kick. I think we're all duped by these supplement companies because it's just a money, it's just a money grubbing machine really is all it is at the end of the day. Uh, for, well, I don't want to say for all supplements, depending on your age and things like that. But, you know, that's kind of what I've seen over the years that I've been in these gyms. And I, I think, I think supplements, supplements are the last 5%. So if you think of your health as a pyramid and the foundation of that pyramid is nutrition, activity, sleep, reduction of stress. If you aren't doing those things, you're not going to get many benefits, if any, from the supplements. Supplements give you that extra edge, especially if you're, if you're an athlete or if you are a, a competitor in, say, fitness competitions. That's when supplements, I think, have their place because they can. They can give you that little extra edge. But if you're at that level, chances are you've probably got all those other things in the bottom of the pyramid sorted. And, and the average person does not. And I'm so glad you said that all of the yeah. normal people out here, we don't have, <laughs> yeah. we don't have all that other stuff figured out. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and I have seen a difference in, um, uh, especially some of the men that I work with more on, I would say fitness level, um, athlete level, things like branch chain amino acids can be really beneficial for recovery and for strength. Um, that's when supplements make a difference. When you are at that high level, um, and I would almost say elite level, yeah, then your supplements can be can be quite beneficial. And often when you're at that level, the nutrients that your body needs, you have a higher requirement. So you may need more vitamin C, you may need more B vitamins, um, and that's just, again, 
going to help recovery, help improve performance. So I think that's when vitamins can be quite beneficial for most people. I mean, even just sticking with a, a regular multivitamin supplement to cover your bases, that's great. Most people, if they're getting that into their diet, uh, like, sorry, getting that into their routine, you don't need too much more on top of that. That's covering what you need. Do you, in your humble opinion, do you think it's possible to get every nutrient we need just through our diet? Is that feasible for the average person? For the average person eating the average diet? Or <laughs> I just the average person... I just feel like I feel like most of us are just so busy in order to sit here and measure out all of our foods and portion all of our foods and do these crazy things each day. I feel like for a lot of us, that's not really feasible. Yeah. And that's I think that's a really good point. That supplements, I think are, they're like a good insurance policy. They back you up when things aren't going so great because we all have times where, you know, maybe there is a stretch where you haven't been that great with your nutrition or maybe you've been traveling and you haven't been focusing on the things that you would typically focus on. And maybe you aren't getting a good variety of colorful fruits and veggies. That's when a multivitamin can be really beneficial because it just, it basically ensures that you're getting the levels that you need on a daily basis. And I think, I think the average diet for what, what an average person would eat, and I don't really love using the word average. Yeah, because what is average? Think, yeah. Yeah, it, it sounds like a horrible word. <laughs> but I, I think a typical diet, let's say that, a typical diet tends to be um, deficient in vitamins and minerals because a typical diet isn't necessarily based on whole foods. Gotcha. So that's when I think a supplement is a great idea. If you're just starting these changes and you're just starting to integrate some of these um, new things into your life, if this is new for you and you are just starting with, you know what, I'm just going to focus on protein and making sure that I'm getting some protein in. Maybe fruits and veggies isn't even going to be your focus for a couple of weeks because like I said, it's, it's all about habit building and what can you do consistently to get to reach success. And that's where supplements can be great because it just makes sure that you're covering your bases, your body's getting what it needs to thrive, and you get to that point where you're getting a lot of those things from your food, but why not make it easy on yourself and just start out now, getting yeah. what you need straight away and working on the food um, in time. Gotcha. So I was at the grocery store last night and this is funny. I knew we were going to do this episode today. My girlfriend and I went to the grocery store and I, I've made this comment to her before in previous trips. Why is it that society and the way things are with food, why is the healthy, good for us food, the food that we should be putting in our mouths, why is that so expensive and all the other junk so cheap how what is there anything that we can do in your opinion as like a society to shift this paradigm to kind of flip it on its head to where okay so this section of the grocery store where all the fruits and vegetables and healthy things are is actually the cheapest food and that other stuff in the freezer that's all processed that's the most expensive is there and do you think there that we're ever going to see that change 
Yes. <laughs> you and didn't I say that with much confidence. A, this is a huge movement, and, and I really feel like it is a movement because I'm going to go right back to when I was a kid in my very small country town in Australia. And the reason we ate whole food and the reason everyone made their own food because the processed food was expensive. It was more expensive than the real stuff. And I think there, there's so many factors in this because it's industry and it's like when we could produce mass amounts of food and we got better and better and better at it and we can grow huge acreages of wheat and it's really cheap to do it. And so we've got all this wheat and we can make wheat into crackers and bread and biscuits and cheap, 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 cheap stuff. As those sort of processes got cheaper, our food got cheaper and it brought down the price of those processed foods. That, that's part of, that's part of the reason. Um, and I think, I think we're kind of getting to the point in, in our culture and policy making that we're seeing, we're seeing the problems when good food or whole foods is more expensive and it's not accessible to a lot of people and it is cheaper for some people depending on where you live and what you have access to to buy a bag of chips and buy soda rather than buying your your whole foods and I think it will change I think there's a lot of policies that have to change for for that to happen and um, yeah that's it's it's something that I'm very passionate about and in you know that's one of my goals for what I'd like to do in my career um, as time goes on is I I want to be part of that I want to make it so you do walk into the grocery store and you can buy a bag of apples for two dollars and that's much cheaper than buying some of the other not so nourishing items um, some you you can bring down the price like Grocery shopping, if you know how to grocery shop properly and if you know what to do with certain foods, it, it doesn't have to be super expensive. Cooking at home and knowing how to make some simple dishes with certain foods, um, that's where you can integrate more fresh food into your diet and keep prices down. But I think cooking's a big part of it. Um, and that's one of the skills that I work with with people and um, I've been creating a bunch of videos for, for using with clients of just knowing what to do with food because I, I think that's a big part of the problem as well. We've, we've lost the ability to actually know how to make these things for ourselves and how to make certain items last the week without just chucking them in the garbage because we don't know what to do with, a, you know, with those four extra onions that are left over or whatever it might be. So I, I, I kind of think that's a piece to the puzzle as well it's let's get cooking let's make some more food at home and and that's that's going to help a lot amen no that that's i couldn't have said it any better myself that that just i literally was sitting there yesterday and i'm walking through the grocery store and that just that's always frustrates me um so i'm glad we talked about that as we kind of wrap up the show here i always like to ask the expert, two pieces of top level advice. So we've touched on lots of different things in this episode. 
But in your opinion, what are two things that we can start doing just as a normal person to lead a better life with our nutrition? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you had to, if you had Where to pick two I of pick them. Two, <laughs> 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 oh, okay. I think usually where I start, and, and I, I won't, I won't make this long, I promise. No, 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 it's fine. Usually where I start with clients is I think two good pieces of things that you can do right now. Like I said, like when you finish listening to this podcast, breakfast and color are two of the biggest ones. And to expand on breakfast, that's not just breakfast, starting your day right makes such a big difference for how your day is going to end up nutrition-wise, energy-wise, productivity-wise. And a good breakfast, there's four key things. There should be some protein, some color, some type of slow carbs. Slow carbs could be something like oatmeal or fruit can count as slow carbs or vegetables can count as slow carbs and some type of healthy fat. So maybe it's some avocado or maybe it's the egg yolk from the eggs that you're having that you're making your omelet with. Starting your day with a good breakfast that combines those four things is going to make a big difference in your energy levels in the morning. And number two is color. Have a look at your day and have a look at your main meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Is there something colorful in that meal? And if there's not, what could you add in? And it doesn't have to be complicated. It can honestly be as simple as cutting up some raw veggies and putting them on the table at dinner time. If you've got kids and you look at your kids' meals and your kids don't have anything colorful on there, kids love to pick at stuff. Chop up a bunch of raw veggies, put it in the middle of the table. If they see you doing it, chances are they're going to do it too because they mimic what we do. So that's a, I think that's a good piece of advice because it's helping the next generation to, yeah. to start integrating these habits as well. Um, so they, those would be my first two. I love it. <laughs> you invite I, me back for podcast. We're, we'll do three and four and five and six. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to, we have to have <laughs> you back on because we just kind of scratched the surface on all these topics. But uh, no, that, that that's excellent advice. I, I definitely appreciate you sharing that. Um, I definitely do want to commend you for the work that you're doing to change the general public's perception of nutrition. I think we need to start with your approach first when it comes to getting healthier and as much as I hate to say it, do the fitness and the gym and the exercise stuff, you know, second, really. So I definitely want to, you know, commend you on that. Um, As we wrap up here, I want to thank our sponsors again, Eco Gym and Team Motivate and you. If you guys are interested in becoming a sponsor and know someone who is, you can go to our website, onehealthpodcast.com, and there is a contact form on there so you can fill that out. Uh, Jesse, if people want to get in touch with you, do you have a website? Are you on social media? How can they do that? I am. So uh, my practice, is Origins Nutrition, and uh, my website is Origins Nutrition Inc., which is inc.com, and I am on Instagram as Origins Nutrition 2010, 
and Origins Nutrition on Facebook. Excellent. Well, go check her out, guys. Blow up her inbox so she's really overwhelmed. Uh, <laughs> send, send her lots of messages. I love, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much again for being on, Jesse. And uh, until next week, guys, thanks a lot. Thanks, George.